0: Thanks, team, for uh, leading us through praise and worship. That's uh, great news of Hayden and Elisa. I'm just chatting to Elisa before, and they went out to Mount Major, and the whole thing was you know, being, beginning to get begin very romantic. And I said, did Hayden get down on bended knee? He said, oh, no, not quite on bended knee. So all good stuff. Very exciting. A little bit different than how Laura and I got engaged many years ago. No detail, no details. Apparently we did it all wrong. I should have asked um, her father's permission. I sort of did, but that was after I bought the ring. You know. I was... Anyway, it's all good. 27 years later, we're still together. Everything's, everything's going okay. Oh, no. We are in a uh, series about God's empowering presence, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, started last week, our, our first one. And... Um, looking forward to the next few weeks as we, uh, as we journey through that and uh, see uh, this important aspect of our lives, that uh, God is within us uh, by his Holy Spirit. Today, um, just maybe consider some of these questions. How will we stand in this world when we become a Christian? How, how are we to be strengthened to face the difficulty of this world and uphold a life that will glorify God in the, the face of Jesus Christ? Does God save us? And then leave us to our own devices. Now, what is filled with the Spirit? What does that mean? What is baptism in the Spirit? Is that the same thing? What's the difference? What happens with God's empowering presence, the Holy Spirit, when we first become a Christian? Now, these are some of the things we just want to think about today as we just come into this passage, this next uh, talk here on the the work of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit uh, within us. So if you've got your Bibles, just a short verse to sort of... Uh, dial ourselves in, and that's uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 and 22, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Uh, Father, thank you today that we can just come now and open up this word. And we pray, Holy Spirit, as we are talking about your work in our lives, uh, may we approach this with humility, may we approach this with joy, uh, may we approach this with open and soft hearts to see uh, your work, your empowering presence living inside of us. And today, as we just think about some of those questions and think about what is filled with the Spirit and what. Uh, whereabouts do you actually dwell and live within us? I ask and pray that, Holy Spirit, you would open up our hearts and our minds as we uh, travel through your word today and that you would uh, build within us uh, strength and faith and courage to live out a life that really does honour and praise Christ because of your work within us. And we ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, There will be some Q&A today too, so if you have any questions at all as we go through this, I'm very happy for you to either jot it down. I was just talking to Kath before, she's on the U version Bible, you've a little notes page here, you can write your questions down if you want to, so if you do that, on, if you're on you version, or you can just scribble something down on a piece of paper. So we'll take a few questions at the end, if there's something that might just twig or sort of, gee, I wonder what that means, or explain it a bit further at the end, um, hold them, and then we'll come back to that at the end of the uh, service. Sometimes I think we see God as remote and distant from us. It's like we think he's caring for us in his interest. Interested in us in our lives, but somehow God seems to be doing this from afar. He doesn't seem or appear to be vitally involved in our lives. And sometimes our understanding of God's purposes for our lives confuses these thoughts about his presence for us, or presence with us, sorry. Uh, You see, if we believe that God is all about taking the problems of life and all of its challenges away and giving us a trouble-free life that will then seem, will make God seem like he's distant or a long way off because as we live life and experience troubles, we'll think, hang on, God isn't on the job because he's not taking away all those troubles and challenges of life. God will then see maybe he's distant or not really up close and personal. But if we understand that God is reshaping our lives and reforming us into the image of Christ and that God is using all of the situations of life to do that, That will then change the way we perceive or think of God in relation to us in our lives. We will then begin to see that God is intimately working in every circumstance of our life. And in, in and through that we'll see that God is very up close and personal because God hasn't left us. He's actually working in every situation through our lives. And we'll begin to grasp that God is a very real and present help at all times. Last week we saw God's gracious action of us being born again as we started this series here on the Holy Spirit, that we who were unwilling and unable to save ourselves because of our dead sinful position, that God the Spirit comes and breathes new life into our dead souls and revives us within. Once I couldn't see Jesus and appreciate who he was and what he's done in my past, But God's Spirit comes and now I can see that Jesus is God and I'm extremely thankful for the work that he has done in saving me and rescuing me. The Holy Spirit has come in and gloriously renewed us within to believe in and to delight in Christ, our great and glorious Saviour. So that then brings us to our talk today. This action of the Holy Spirit is it a once-off, one-time event that he does Does he come and do this work and then the Holy Spirit moves on to someone else? Or is the action of the Holy Spirit an ongoing work that continues in our lives? Is it something that's happening all the time, working moment by moment, day by day within all of us? And where does the Spirit dwell within us if it's an ongoing action? Where is the Holy Spirit residing or living within us? So let's pick up on these things today as we continue to explore this role here of God's Spirit uh, working in our lives. So I'm born again. We saw that last week. We're born again. What has the Spirit done within me? Where is the Holy Spirit now in relation to me in this born again experience? Perhaps we'll pick up on that question there. Where does the Holy Spirit now dwell concerning me uh, in and through this experience of being born again and brought into the family of Christ? The Bible tells us that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has now taken up residence within me In other words, God, the Holy Spirit, dwells or abides within me. In John 14, 17, Jesus was telling the disciples this, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Here Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as he's teaching the disciples, and he says the Spirit that dwells with you will be in you, will be in us. God, the supreme being, now resides within us. It's a really big statement as we explored a little bit of that last week. So wherever you or I go, we have God right there with us 24-7. And the Apostle Paul says the same thing to the Corinthians a little bit further on. He says this in 1 Corinthians 6, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own so we have a temple of the holy spirit so the question is i guess as we're answering just where is god dwelling within us where is he uh, as he places himself within us today again let's look at a few scriptures here that tell us exactly where he is as we looked at our first passage there opening passage second corinthians 122 and who who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee Galatians 4.6, and because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And Ephesians 3.17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you're being rooted and grounded in love. So where does the Spirit dwell? Where does the Holy Spirit dwell within us? I think those three passages make it pretty clear, doesn't it? In our heart. That's where the Spirit dwells. That's where the God, the Holy Spirit, now resides within us. What does the Bible say when it says our heart? What's it meaning there when those three passages are saying the Spirit now dwells within our heart? Is it the fleshy sort of organ that's within us that pumps the blood around our bodies? Is that really what the Bible's talking about there? I don't think so. When the Bible speaks of our heart, it speaks of the control center of our being the very central core of who we are. It's the hidden part of us that nobody else can see. It's what drives us. It's what moves us. It's what actually continues to push us around and change us. It's not seen, but we actually can see it's out working through our lives as we see the way people might carry out their actions. But the heart in the Bible is referring to our mind and our will and our emotions is where God's spirit resides within us. He dwells on us now in this ongoing uh, nature through the rebirth and our ongoing conversion experience in our mind and our will and our emotions. Let's just consider the mind for a little bit here and think about this thing, thats incredible machine that we have locked up here in our heads. It's an immensely powerful thing, our mind. A little quick bit of research on, on Google, it's, that's where you always go to find your facts. Well, maybe some facts mixed around there. But I found there that, uh, that we have between 60 and 80,000 thoughts on any given day. That's a lot of thoughts, isn't it? 60 to 80,000 thoughts are sort of buzzing around and spinning around in our heads on any given day. Now, if we break that down a little in our waking hours alone, that means we have 4,375 thoughts per hour that are going through our minds, or roughly 72.9 thoughts per minute going through our minds. That's more than a thought a second. It's a lot of thoughts. What is a thought? If I've got 72.9 of them running through my head every minute, what is these things that are going through? They can be idea-like. They can be memory-like. They can be picture-like. They can be an action-like. They can be song-like. And they are normally a very short-lived process. Obviously, if we've got 72.9 thoughts going through our brains every minute, they're not very long-lasting. And if you're a teenage boy with thoughts going through your head, they are extremely short-lived and often accompanied with a large dose of forgetfulness and scatteredness, if you're a teenage boy. Our minds are incredibly complex machines. If we just take the time to look at how a brain works, you'll come away just thinking how mind-blowing, pardon the pun, God is in the creation of our brains. They are fascinating. Uh, I'd recommend going on, uh, onto YouTube and you will see here uh, this <clears throat> some great videos on how the brain works. Um, we have billions and billions of what they call these neurons uh, in our brains. And these are the things... I'm just checking with Gabby. That, that cool. Good, thanks, Gabby. Good. I, I was just playing with the expression of Gabby's face there for a second. Billions and billions of neurons in our brain and they're sending all these electrical impulses and signals like... All the time. It's just happening crazy like in in the speed that it's happening and billions and billions of these are doing this, carrying out the functions of our brain or our mind. With our minds, we can look at a scene or a picture and we can like store that away as a record for years and years and years and then sort of recall it when we like, sometimes when we like. You may have been on a holiday and you'll just grab some scene in your mind and you'll just lock it away. And you'll store there and you'll think of the particular uh, details. It could be a sunny day, it could be a cloudy day, it could be near the beach, it could be on a park. Your mind grabs all these details and stores them away and you can recall them. I was just uh, talking with my brother-in-law yesterday and we reflected on a motorbike trip that we had together, which was, I worked out 29 years ago. I had to sort of get the brain down there a bit to get those thoughts back. 29 years ago, I had this motorcycle trip and this bike that he was on... Um, fell over a stump and he split the steel tank. Now in my mind's eye, I can replay that video back right now because I was right behind him and I can see exactly where that bike fell over and I can see exactly where that tank was split on the bottom and I can see exactly who the person was who came and helped fix up uh, this tank to get us going again. It's just fascinating what your mind can do. Now I just visualised that. Or saw it, sorry, firsthand twenty-nine years ago, and I can sit here and sort of close my eyes and I can I can begin to replay that back in my mind again. Just absolutely fascinating here, this control center uh, in our, our mind. And these these This mind or this brain is like a machine that's continually processing thoughts, filing these away in images and in our storage of our minds here, just locking them away, locking them away and pulling them back as we need at times. And at the same time as we process these thoughts, our minds are being conditioned to think in certain ways as well. Another fascinating feature here of our minds. The more we allow certain thought patterns to develop in our minds the more they build certain pathways how we deal with a thought when it comes our way. Just say I've been taken advantage of a number of times in life and someone's ripped me off with money quite a few times. After a while, my mind begins to develop a pathway of thinking that makes me defensive towards that person. That same person comes to me again and I think, OK, what are they going to do? They're going to try and take me, off, take me down again and rip me off? Your mind begins to develop certain pathways of thinking here in these... Um, as it sort of goes through this uh, this process of dealing with these 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day our minds or our brains also have various sections where we do process these thoughts there's sort of the brains into sort of uh, probably five or six uh, sections and one of these sections contains our emotions in the brain the emotions are stored up there when we hear something or see something our minds will engage a whole range of emotions to, as reactions to what we've seen or what we've heard with our mind. When we hear of a death of someone that's close to us, we begin to process that thought really, really quickly in our mind and it will touch off or trigger off a certain emotion, obviously, which is normally grief or sadness when you hear of somebody's death. The th- you see something, you hear something, this thought triggers off this emotion in our minds here and triggers off grief or sadness within us. And conversely... If you hear something good, like you get a good test result or you get some good results back from the doctor or something like that, um, it triggers off another emotion of joy and gladness, just the way the mind processes these thoughts and thinks through these things. Another thing about our minds, as we said before, nobody can see what you're thinking. Nobody can see what you're thinking. You can be having a conversation with somebody And they're telling you all about some thing they've done and you're saying to them, yeah, that sounds really good, really great. But in your mind you can say, what a waste of time. What were they doing that for? And they can't see those thoughts. You can hide all those things in your mind that people can't see. That's actually what happens sometimes, isn't it? You're agreeing with somebody, but in your mind you're saying, what a waste of time. What did they even bother doing that for? Fascinating what our minds can do. With our minds we plan things. With this control centre in our heads... We can plan things. We can spend hours and hours planning a wedding. Well, hopefully Hayden at least will be done in the next few months. Planning a wedding, planning a holiday, planning a trip away, planning a surprise party, a work project, a creative project, all number of things. And every one of us, I think, have uh, laid down in our beds at night. Sometimes that mind just won't stop thinking about things, going at a million miles an hour as our mind is processing and thinking and planning. It's like this machine that we cannot stop. We just can't seem to just pull out our gear some nights. It just wants to keep going and going and going. It's the same when we have maybe a difficult conversation we've got to have with somebody. We will plan out the whole conversation in our minds of how it's actually going to step through. We'll think of what their response will be. Then I'll make my response to that. And then what will their response be? Then I'll make my response. So we actually sometimes will plan this out in our minds in this incredible machine that God has placed up here in our heads. And these thoughts can range from instantaneous, like milliseconds, barely able to be measured. Some thoughts are like that and other thoughts are perhaps have more complex calculations. They might take quite a few seconds to actually process that thought through our brains. It's a fascinating, fascinating machine. The process of a thought, how does it work? What does a thought do when it comes to my mind or my brain? How do I process that? Maybe take this for an example. Just say I've watched a very frightening movie or TV show. I have spent the night there and I've watched this Dracula movie. Who's ever seen Dracula movies before? There's a few hands going up. This is going back quite a few years ago. Dracula movies. And suddenly I remember it's now about 10.30 at night and I've forgotten to take the garbage bin out to the front of the road. I've just watched a Dracula movie. I begin to process this thought, the garbage bin's got to go out in the road. My mind takes in all the movie scenes that I've just seen and I've just seen this horrible um, sort of attack by a Dracula vampire in the darkness of the night. My mind processes that and straight away my mind goes to fear. I've got to go outside, I've got to go in the dark. I process that thought. I don't want to go out in the dark because I've just seen this movie and I'm just thinking there's going to be vampires out there somewhere. Straight away, then it engages my will, I'm not going to do it. So you can see how thought begins to work sometimes in our mind. It just begins this chain reaction of various things that take place. It might spark an emotion of fear. It's amazing how this happens. And this is happening in our minds sixty to 80,000 times in a 24-hour day. Fascinating, fascinating thing, this mind that God has given to us. And this is precisely where God, the Holy Spirit, takes up residence within us. Not so much in a... Physical God sort of cramming cramming himself in our head, but the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, now taking up residence within the very control centre of who we are, beginning to influence the way we think and draw us towards Christ and Christ-like living. Paul in Romans gives us also this amazing truth about our mind. He says there, "'Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind.'" That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There Paul is saying this central part here of who we are is our mind, this fascinating thing. and this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. This really is a picture of the beauty and the grace of God with us. God doesn't tinker around the edges of our lives, sort of just making little adjustments here and there. God comes into the very control center of who we are and begins his work there of transforming us by influencing the very center of our core, of our being. And what he brings in there is incredible, wonderful, liberating, eternal and deep transforming change into our lives right in the core of who we are. Okay, as we think about this position of the Holy Spirit is, he dwells within our hearts, which we know to be our mind and our will and our emotions. But is this work a once-off work? Does the Holy Spirit come and do this once and then leave us to our own devices? Does the Holy Spirit sort of come and say, hey, I'll just give you a little bit, little bit of myself now, and then maybe a few months down the track, maybe a little bit more, and then maybe eventually you'll get more of me later on? Is that how the Holy Spirit works? Or is the Holy Spirit coming in entirety into us and filling us in our very being? And we would say that that's exactly what does happen. When we become a Christian and follow Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit completely. Utterly and totally, as a Christian, we are filled with God's Spirit when we become a believer in Him. Now, this can be a challenging thought for some as we think about the Holy Spirit and filling us in entirely as a Christian because there are some other uh, believers who believe that there is a second experience or baptism of the Holy Spirit. They believe there's this subsequent second experience that you've got to have as a believer. So let's just explore this a little bit as we think about that and uh, try and get this picture here. Over the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's a number of scriptures that talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit, particularly in the Gospels. Matthew 3:11. Uh, John the Baptist is talking there. He says, I will baptize you with water for repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mark 1:8, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And John again in uh, Luke 3. I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So picture here of Jesus that John's uh, talking about, and that Jesus will be the baptizer, and he will baptize people in the Holy Spirit. In other words, we will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Is the uh, the thought there that Jesus is communicating? As we grasp and understand the Bible, what is actually taking place there, we see this being fulfilled at Pentecost um, after Jesus has risen from the grave and has ascended back to heaven. You see this in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. For those who consider there's a second subsequent experience of the Holy Spirit, which, we, which they would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, they take this verse amongst others, and there's four other times in, the, in the, uh, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, 8, 10, and 19, where it talks about this Holy Spirit coming upon people and speaking in other tongues as evidence for that. Now these people are absolutely convinced of that teaching of the baptism of the Spirit with speaking in tongues following. And I know many of these people and I am fully convinced that they are great gospel people who love Jesus and totally uh, wanting to serve him and totally see the great commission fulfilled in the power of the Holy Spirit. I have many, many good Christian friends who believe in that idea of the Holy Spirit. But I myself in the Bible think otherwise, think differently differently. I see this as more of an open-handed belief here, this idea of the work of the Holy Spirit in the sense of, is it baptism like that, like others may think, or is it a continual filling? We can have different opinions, and I'm very, very happy to sit alongside those people and uh, love them in Christ, but think differently on them in this way. I believe that the Bible teaches us that we receive all of the Holy Spirit initially when we become believers. The Holy Spirit comes totally in us and in through that, we grow in the fullness of the Holy Spirit for the rest of our lives as Christians here on earth. Uh, let me show you a passage here from Corinthians, which, which begins to sort of show us in, uh, point us in that direction. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, For in one spirit we were all baptised into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Here Paul talks to the Corinthians about the body Or the church. It's a passage where he's talking about the various people within the church, and he says this: When you've become a Christian, you've been immersed in one spirit, into one body. So it's talking past tense there. This is is what's happened to you when you've become a believer. You are actually now immersed in the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and baptized into this body of believers. If you think about the word "immersed" or "baptized," there, it's not a partial baptism. It's not like he just sort of dips our toe in the water. We are immersed in the Spirit, not part of the Holy Spirit. But is that it? Is that it? Do we stop there as believers in Christ and fill with the Holy Spirit? Is that all that God intends for us at this particular time? Is that the end of this work of the Holy Spirit? No. Absolutely not. We are now going to be reshaped and grow in Christ Every day by the ongoing work and the ongoing power of the Holy Spirit now living within us. We are now actively looking for the Spirit to continue this process within us. He's right there in our control centre looking at every situation and every moment we go through to influence us and draw us towards Christ-like living of every moment of every day. And Paul, the Apostle in the Ephesians, sees it very similar. This says in verse 18 of chapter 5. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Interesting phrase there that Paul says at the very end of that verse, but be filled with the Spirit. He says, don't be filled with the Spirit of alcohol, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the interesting part of that phrase there, if you look at that in its original languages and the way it's, the word is constructed or the way the sentence is constructed, it can also say this. It can be translated to say, but be being filled. But be being filled. It doesn't make really good English when you say it like that. That's why the translators have put it the other way. But if you wanted to translate that from the original languages, but be being filled, it's like a continuous action. Keep being filled. Paul's saying to the Ephesians, keep being filled by the Spirit. Keep being filled by the work of the Holy Spirit in the control centre. In other words, keep expanding or keep growing, being filled more and more and more with God's Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit grow in your heart in this continuous action. This continuous action. Be being filled. So I I thought about that as I was reading this week. I thought, what's a good example to try and understand here this idea that we receive all the Holy Spirit at the conversion or the new birth and then we seem to keep being filled with more of the Holy Spirit as we grow and as I read through that I got this great um, picture of a balloon and this is what uh, the example that I read through the book and it was like this hopefully I can blow this balloon up you could have got me an easier one Okay, so the example I read earlier in the book, to give this picture here of being filled with the Spirit, you can imagine this here as a new believer. I've received all of the Spirit. Would you say everything in this balloon is air? Could be a bit of saliva in there as well, maybe. (laughs) Who knows? When you become a believer, you receive um, all of the Holy Spirit. As you grow and expand as a believer, learning more and more about Christ, obviously your spiritual life expands and you can do this. Hopefully. Now that is a little bit bigger than it was before, okay? You got me a hard one. It is definitely bigger than before, okay? But the whole idea is the expanding balloon. So this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is as we expand as believers, expand in our knowledge of who Christ is, the Holy Spirit is filling us more and more and more. And if this was a softer balloon, you'd really see that, actually. It would just get bigger and bigger, right? And it's certainly bigger than what it was before. This must be one of those trick balloons. But that's the, that's, the, that's the picture here of being filled with the Spirit. You know, even it, Right? It's still filled with air. I'm not going to blow it back up again, though. But it expands as God's Spirit fills us more and more as we grow in the image of Christ. This is the picture here of being filled with God's Spirit and growing in Him. So, what I might say is this I don't think God wants us to experience the Spirit's work just once or even twice. I think God wants us to experience the Holy Spirit's work in our life. In an ongoing many, many, many times way, for the rest of our lives, not looking for the once-off when God comes in the new birth, or a second experience where you may or may not speak in tongue, given, depending on the, the gift that God may give you, but an ongoing work where God's spirit is continuing to fill us and to grow us all the time. And this is the grace of God that's been poured into our lives through the Holy Spirit. This is God's empowering presence. That he freely gives to us when we put our trust in Christ as our Saviour. It is God's Spirit taking up residence within us. Residence within us and empowering us for the rest of our lives. And this is really, really critical that we get hold of, this empowering presence that we do have. Talking to a good friend of mine yesterday and he just made this comment. He said to me, you know, I'd hate to be growing up in the world today as a kid compared to what I grew up in, the world I grew up in 30, 40 years ago. You know, with a whole uh, raft of cultural changes coming upon us with same-sex marriage and internet pressures, with um, pornography and all range of things. This world we live in today would seem so much more harder to grow up in as a, as a kid trying to make their way as a Christian in this world. You know, and, and as I thought about it, I thought that was a really good statement to make. But at the same time, it's the same Holy Spirit that was back there then empowering us to live as believers. It will be the same Holy Spirit today that will enable us and empower us to live through this world, to face all these pressures and to overcome just as we were able to overcome when we were younger. Critical. And this is the life that we're now going to embark upon and the life that we're now going to look at in these next few weeks as we think about God's Spirit working in us, changing us, sanctifying us and making us into the image of Christ and seeing this incredible, pivotal role that God's Spirit does within us. God not only comes to save us when we are unable and unwilling, But he also equips us with his spirit, not once, not twice, but many, many, multiple, multiple times to enable us to follow Christ and to live a life that brings glory to his name and to see our lives transformed as well into the wholeness that God has created. As we see here in this last verse, uh, 2 Corinthians again, chapter 3, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you today that we're able to come to uh, think about your word and allow your spirit to open up our hearts to uh, hear this word. Uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you indwell us at the new birth. We thank you that you fill us at the new birth. And we thank you that in this ongoing work that you are growing us and expanding us to hold more and more of you in our lives so that we can reflect more and more the glory of Christ out through our lives. We thank you today that we have this residing power within our control centre, within our minds, helping us to process the thoughts and the images and the things we see and hear and to enable us to think Christ-like and to enable us to overcome this world. Again, Holy Spirit, as we embark upon this over these next few weeks, exploring this even further and further, I pray that you will deepen our understanding of your work and deepen our appreciation for your work and we will yield uh, to your leading and guiding in our lives. Uh, Father, today we do ask, we do pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Any questions or thoughts from that before I let this balloon go? Rob? Yeah, I just uh, noticed how the metaphor changed, but you... Use the word "baptized" as immersed, but actually the metaphor changed to filling, yep. and, and um, that's a very quite quite a strong metaphor in the biblical sense. Yep. You know, filling the vessel, filling a bl- the balloon, balloon, Yep. <laughs> uh, and it, you know, like Ezekiel's temple, um, what what the Spirit should do, we overflow with thankfulness. Yep. And like the rivers flow out of the temple, and, um, that's seems a very strong metaphor. We're yep. baptised or, you know, we're also filled in that way. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's that picture there where Paul talks about in Corinthians that um, at that sort of point of conversion or new birth experience, we're, we're immersed in the Holy Spirit at that time and then into one body to drink of one spirit. And that's that point of, you know, we're filled with the spirit then. And, then we, and as I said, we keep growing and filling and expanding and a point of overflowing as well in in the, in the life of God now flowing out of our lives uh, as much as it's expanding within us at the same time. I guess, you know, you could say the spirit is poured in. Yep. And you know, God was in his spirit, it Continues, yeah. A, a work of his grace, yep. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yep. Sam. Yep. And not trying to, you know, hold the boat yourself. Or yep. I just, yeah, I really liked that analogy. It makes like to hear that opening up because we needed to push us in the direction that where he told us to yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. We'll, and we'll be looking at that over the next few weeks as well. I mean, trying to sort of build this layer upon layer here. In the next few weeks, it'll we'll be looking at, well, then the Holy Spirit now resides in our mind. And then guides and leads us. Are we passive in that or are we sort of active in that? And it's sort of both. It's sort of both. And that's what we'll see over the next few weeks. I mean, we are um, initiated by God's Spirit, but we're not passive. We actually pick up the leading and the guiding of God's Spirit and actually move in that direction. So that's right. That's that's a good thing. Just just about a week or two ahead of us, that's all, Sam. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other view that I put there before, you might call it a, a Pentecostal view, and, and that's, that's fine. That's great. Um, it's more they probably read the scriptures a little bit differently, particularly the book of Acts. Uh, the book, book of Acts is more of a uh, narrative or a descriptive book. It's not a prescriptive book. So they might read the book of Acts and say, oh, this happened three or four times, so it must always happen like that. So it's just probably a, a different point of view in the way that the book's read there. So, uh, like I said, they're not, I'm not going to say they're not Christian, by no means am I saying that. That's just what they think, that's what they believe, and I can sit alongside um, brothers and sisters in Christ like that and totally agree um, in everything, but I don't, wouldn't agree to say that there is a second baptism of the Spirit where you must speak in tongues... Um, to give evidence of that baptism of the Spirit in that sense. I would say, no, the work of the Spirit is just this ongoing work all the time. Certainly we believe uh, that the gift of tongues is a valid gift for today, and God does give that sovereignly. Some people receive it, some people don't. Doug? Um, Just a point, at Pentecost, um, the apostles were speaking in, it says they're in tongues, and they're actually speaking in languages that other people With what we say when we speak in tongues, unless somebody can translate it to me, she sounds like good. Yeah. When it's translated, it makes a lot of sense. Yep, yep. And we will look at the gifts of the Spirit in a few weeks' time as well, but you're right. On that particular time, they were speaking the languages of other sort of nations surrounding about them, Um, but. There's no reason why the Holy Spirit doesn't give a gift of a tongue that we've got no idea what that is. It could be a heavenly language, which is no earthly equivalent whatsoever. Um, that that can happen as well. Okay, thanks, guys. We'll uh, finish off with the song. Thanks, Bree. Um, again, if you uh, want some prayer, or would love to catch up with me for a bit more discussion on that after service. I'll be more than willing to... Uh, Spend some time with you. Thank you. Oh, did you tell them about lunch today? Yeah, good. You did that before I was there to for the lead, didn't you? Isn't that balloon? Let's stand as we close with Hallelujah. Well not really closing because we're just gonna continue our church community with lunch. So please, like Dad just said, stay with us. We've got plenty of food for everyone.